Cosmic Canvas Studio presents What Lies Between Sleep. I dream of things not yet to come. Well, not really, but I am having terrifying visions in the evening. But that's okay, because I'm doing it to myself on purpose. Welcome to Dreamlights, the only nonfiction podcast that will most likely end in the host dying quite horribly. Eh, you might be asking, Bernard, why are you in such a good mood today? Well, I'm glad you asked. In reviewing the last few episodes, I realized that, tonally, things have been pretty heavy. The stories we've been learning about people involved with Giallo are pretty disturbing. There's a lot to fear and a lot that we don't quite understand. But we can't get sucked into the darkness, right? There is hope. That much I know. You want to know how I came to this conclusion? I started to think about the Guardian. The Guardian is a Guardian, right? Think about it. That strange and kind of horrible entity stands by my gate to protect me. I think that points towards something benevolent in this universe. Whether you want to call that benevolence God or goodness or whatever, I don't know. But the fact is, something or someone out there cares enough about us humans to ensure the denizens of Giallo stay out of our dreams. That puts me in a good mood. And it should comfort you as well. You have nothing to fear as long as you're able to sleep. A strange, ghastly apparition and tentacle vines with mouths watch over you. If that doesn't put you at ease, well then, uh, just don't think about it. Today's topic of exploration is going to be entering through the dream gate itself, passing through from Giallo. I have only done it once before, as a means of escaping Eshuel once and for all. Tonight, I'm going to pass through the gate while trying my damnedest to keep my mind awake. See, there is a form of dreaming known as lucid dreaming, the ability to stay awake inside of a dream. Most of us are pretty unconscious when we're in a dream. We do things, and they don't make any sense, all in some kind of strange world where nothing is as it seems, but we don't challenge any of it. Why? Because we're not really conscious. We're not aware that we're inside of a dream. Uh, there are a lot of theories why we do dream, but this isn't a podcast on sleep, damn it! It's a show about what's going on in between sleep. So I won't get into any of the mechanics of sleeping or dreaming or anything like that. Nothing sciencey. But lucid dreaming caught my eye. Because it's a way to realize you are in a dream, right? And then you take control of the dream world around you. Uh, basically, you become fully conscious. Just as if you were awake, yet you're in a world constructed by your mind. Lucid dreaming is a legitimate thing. It's been scientifically verified. Most people have had a few lucid dreams in their lives, but they usually forget them or wake up right away once they become conscious. Most techniques for going into a lucid dream are based around one of two concepts. Falling asleep and maintaining consciousness, or becoming conscious after you are already asleep. There's a lot of literature on the subject, but they all involve perfectly normal and even scientific methods of inducing lucid dreams. Nothing on the internet talks about passing through any kind of gate. So, my thought process is that if I focus while passing through the black gate, I will be able to stay conscious while entering my dreams. And, if I stay lucid, then I'm going to test the next part of my experiment, entering Giallo from inside of my own dreams. After all, it's a gate, right? And gates are two-way. If I'm able to enter my dreams through Giallo, then perhaps I can enter Giallo through my dreams. So that's going to be tonight's experiment. A note before we hop over to the next part of the show. I'm not going to bother putting up recordings of me drinking the draft and then waking up unless something seriously interesting happens. 
So I'll put in a little transition music here that from this point on signals me sharing an experience from Giallo. This is a record of week one of the Dream Experiments. The purpose of these experiments is to document what happens when entering the Black Gate at the Threshold of Dreams. The first test did not work as well as I had hoped. Upon arriving to the White Void, I was greeted, well, sort of greeted, by the Guardian. His shape had changed as well. Before, he was vaguely humanoid, a tall, hooded being. This time, he was now somewhat of a large, flowing current of darkness. Like watching black water flow up and down in a circle. I recognized him, though. I say he because the voice I heard in my head when we first spoke sounded male. There was no input from the Guardian as I approached the Black Gate. The being knew I was there, and as soon as I approached the gate, I saw the center roll open, revealing just bright light, like this intense, ethereal energy. I focused as hard as I could and walked through the gate, but nothing. Three hours went by and I woke up thanks to my wrist alarms. I remember a few dreams, but despite my focus, there was no lucidity. No consciousness. You might be wondering why my alarms were set for three hours. That seems like a long time. But my logic is that since I was trying to go into my dreams, I would be safe. And besides, I don't really see anything else as a threshold. Well, nothing that could bother me anyway. I feel safe there. Week 2. So, I took the draft and once again arrived at the Black Gate. I was hoping to enter my dreams, but before I could make my way to the entrance, one of the vines that guarded the area grabbed me by the wrist. Ah, oh, boy, I tell you, that was scary. But it, it wasn't trying to hurt me, it just wasn't... It just wanted me to stay in place. And then there was this voice, like a deep rumbling that came from the ground. A voice that seemed to go up and down in pitch each time it spoke, like a slide whistle. Here, I wrote down what it said. You are an idiot child, born of water and earth, meant to live in a life where warmth is. The gate has been here long before you, and it shall reside long after you slip away from the wakeful. At this point, the Guardian turned from its vigil and spoke to whatever the hell had grabbed me. He said something like, This is not our choice to make. Release him and speak no more. This angered the vines. Indignant, they began to whip and snap all around me. The one holding my arm pulled me high into the air, well above the gate. Incidentally, I got to see what lies behind the long stone wall. I couldn't even tell you what I saw, even if I tried. But if I had to describe it in two words, I'd say infinity headache. The ground boomed out. I am older than the first eyelid closed. You will save your words and rebukes for the fiends and false that wander this realm. The Guardian didn't say anything after that. It merely returned to its vigil, leaving me dangling above the gate. The vines ceased their whipping, the voices became silent, and I was gently placed back on the ground. I was released, and not knowing what else to do, I decided to walk to the Black Gate before anything else could happen. But before I was able to leave, the voice whispered, almost tearfully, like it was broken and hurting. It said, The gate has been and always will be. But you are not so safe. If you keep returning here, you shall be whisked away by the ivory clawed. We cannot guard that which drinks the white draft for long. Each sip is an invitation. Each taste a defiance of sleep's authority. Reject not her realm, little one. You must dream by closing your eyes. And then it broke my left wrist. One vine whipped up, grabbed my arm, and snapped it. 
hard. The gate rolled open and I was thrown in faster than I could even react. Oh, then I woke up. And uh, I don't want to be too grisly about this, but yeah. My hand was not facing in the right direction. I'm actually doing this podcast uh, about a day after getting back from the emergency room. So, yeah. I have been warned. Tough love, I suppose. Don't think I can go back to the gate without getting another limb broken. And so with that, I think it's going to be some time before I go back into Giallo. The one place I thought was safe turned out to be dangerous. And what did that thing mean about the Ivory Clawed? Ivory Clawed what? Ah, more questions. It's so frustrating to be standing in front of what's what's an ocean, an entirely unexplored realm, and you get no answers. Even when you gain a glimpse of this supernatural, it's just still one damn mystery after another. I'm not gonna lie. I'm feeling pretty discouraged here. A busted arm, a medical bill I really didn't need, and now my whole dream theories are bust. Because I can't go back to that gate unless I want another beating. I'm gonna have to take a break here. And we are back to the main segment. So, as you saw, things didn't work out quite as I had hoped. What should have been some fairly simple dream experiments turned out to be unbelievably dangerous. But, I, I do believe that the gate vines were being benevolent in their actions. They were genuinely worried for my life and saw fit to make me afraid. A practical measure, I suppose. You stop trying to touch the stovetop after it burns you. That is, until you find some gloves. And you know what? That's just what I'm gonna do. I need to get my hands on more knowledge. More information. I went in half-cocked. That's on me. But now? Now I know what I gotta do. More incredibly boring off-podcast research. I'll update when I have something next, but for now, I'm gonna have to put a hold on traveling into Giallo. It's, it's just too dangerous, and I just don't know enough. So, let's move on to the emails section. I'm very excited to talk about a few interesting emails I got. Here's one from Bobby, who hails from England. Dear Bernard, been enjoying the show quite a bit. You seem to have a rare combination of crazy stupid and crazy smart. I would never be able to find those books with such little information. I also would have had the good sense to not try and enter Giallo. So I admire both your courage and total lack of self-regard. Ouch. Oh, he's going to be so validated when he listens to this episode. Continuing, I went to check in on the book theft situation at Oxford on your behalf. Good news, friend. The book was stolen in 1965, years before your show came out, so it wasn't one of us. The librarian you talked to wasn't in the loop until she looked further into it. Aha! Interesting. Thanks, Bobby. I appreciate you checking it out. I'm relieved to know that I'm not inspiring my listenership to commit crimes against libraries. The next email comes from Candace in Alabama. Bernard, I had a grandmother who once spoke of a dream where she was pulled upwards into a white realm. Then, a few forceful hands grabbed her and pulled her back into her childhood bedroom, where she had a strange and vivid dream. I remember her telling me about it one afternoon. She was quite shaken because she was convinced that she had been dying and that an angel had saved her. Thought you might find that curious. Stay safe. You guys see that? We're only seven episodes in, and already I'm getting people who are thinking about their own experiences. Listen, folks, if you know any of these types of stories, send them in. I'll have to take them with a grain of salt, of course, as I must be discerning, but if it passes my scrutiny, I'll be happy to share these stories on the air. And the last email is from Micah from Atlanta. Bernie, 
Folks, please don't call me that. Bernie, I'm writing to inform you of a potential lead. I collect fine antiques and often end up at antique shows. One time, while attending the Great Show of Denver, an annual antique show, I came across a seller of odd and unusual books. Mostly tomes about who knows what. He was a bit insistent about me taking his card, which I still have. Maybe he could be of some help? Below is his contact information. Good luck! Hmm, yeah, so I did pull up this man's website just to take a look at it. And for privacy's sake, I'm going to just be calling this man Franklin. Anyway, Franklin has been in business for 60 years now. He runs a bookstore that collects unique and esoteric books. On top of that, he also verifies the authenticity of documents, as well as runs a, uh, a heavily discounted translating service. Well, that would have been good to know before I spent three months learning an outdated form of French. Well, folks, it looks like it's time for me to make a phone call. I'll be back next episode with hopefully the juicy details. Until then, this is Bernard Sanderson saying, Don't look a gift-broken limb in the wrist. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you want to have one of your emails read by me on air, hop on Patreon and subscribe. Your support can help this podcast continue to grow and thrive. Check the show notes or head on over to www.whatliesbetweensleep.com for more info. And I'll see you next week.